Hey guys, before we get into this episode, I want to talk to you guys about a giveaway that we just completed on the Soccer Brothers podcast. Basically, if you met with us at the Old Angle Tavern in Cleveland before the Nicaragua game as a part of the American Outlaws fan experience, or you caught us on social media at the right time, you could have entered yourself in a chance to win five special prizes from the Soccer Brothers podcast. Those prizes were Crew SC tickets, a USMNT versus Mexico scarf, a Soccer Brothers scarf, a Soccer Brothers t-shirt, and a chance to be on the podcast. Very exciting prizes, and we're happy to have given them away and gotten as many entries as we did. Um... If you want to figure out whether you were the winner, you're going to have to stick around until the end of the podcast, and we will announce those results, or I will announce those results. Um, But, you know, lastly, I have to thank the American Outlaws for allowing us to partner with them at that fan event. It was very cool uh, to be with a bunch of uh, national team fans who were excited about the game, and we had a lot of fun doing it, so we got to tip our hats to them. They threw a great event. It was well organized, and we were happy to be there and uh, celebrate the U.S. men's national team. So, without further ado, why don't we get into the episode? What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar. This is episode number 74. Why don't we get right into it? The USMNT played El Salvador in the quarterfinal on Wednesday, in the quarterfinal of the Gold Cup on Wednesday night in Philadelphia. Um, first off, I thought the funniest thing about this game was that, I mean, well, actually, there were a lot of weird things that happened in this game, but one of the funny things was um, all the numbers for the players that came in, such as Michael Bradley, Donaldson, Nagby, and Tim Howard, were, like, different than what they normally are. So it was weird to see, like, Josie Altador with 27, and uh, Bradley, I think, had 26. Um, because they can't, they, they couldn't replace the numbers of uh, the people who already played. So that just made it, like, really funny. I don't know. I, I thought that was funny. Um, but overall, I mean... I can't say that I was pleased with our performance in this game, but we did seem to get the job done. Um, I thought a lot of times Omar Gonzalez bailed us out in the defensive end. Matt Matt uh, Hedges was not very solid in my opinion. He definitely had uh, some stupid decisions like that. In the ninth minute, he had a dumb foul outside the box. Um, he almost conceded a penalty later on. Uh, he he was just really out of out of position a lot of times and just not not doing the right things. Sometimes he was too aggressive, and sometimes he wasn't aggressive enough. I just thought he wasn't making the right decisions, and he's probably the weakest person on the pitch, but he definitely does is a promising defender, and I think that, uh, I think that you know, USMNT fans shouldn't give up on him. Um, in terms of the flanks, I thought that Justin Morrow was all right. Um, he did have that one ball. Uh, uh, he misjudged a through ball from El Salvador that led to a chance, but... He, I thought he was he was old, he was pretty decent going forward. I thought, um, so I, I don't have too much to say about him. I, I I don't really think that he'll be a player coming to the World Cup, but that's a different discussion. Um, and the other defender, Eric Lehigh, of course, he had the goal, the second goal, uh, which I should probably talk about. Um, but yeah, why don't I just talk about the goals before I talk about Eric Lehigh? So um, the, the first goal was in the 41st minute. Michael Bradley uh, had a free kick swung in for Omar Gonzalez, who heads it in. Questionable goalkeeping by the Salvadorian keeper, but it was all right. And then um, Dempsey had the second goal. Or sorry, Dempsey did not have the second goal. Dempsey assisted the second goal as he made a great turn and played a nice through ball to Eric Lehigh, who took a touch and megged it through the keeper with his left foot. And he's right foot, right-footed, so that's significant. Um, that was an additional time of the first half. So... 
Uh, Lehigh, it was actually really cool to see it because Lehigh made a big run all the way from the defense. I mean, obviously he's right back, but he was like going centrally. So like, I don't know, it was a very, it was a long diagonal run. That was really cool to watch develop uh, if you rewinded the goal. Um, But I mean, I did think he did have his defensive lapses. Like Salvador just had a lot, a lot of chances. Um, I remember in the 13th minute, uh, El Salvador had like a solid shot that Hedges conceded a chance for. Um... I, I, I just think that there were too many chances again. And I don't... I, I, like, out of any part of our team, I think, like, the most notab- no, notable differences between our strongest squad and the Gold's Cup, Cup squad is the defense. I don't think any of the defenders last night are really going to be starting. I mean, I'd like to see John Brooks, Jeff Cameron, DeAndre Yedlin, and Fabian Johnson or Jorge Villafania. Um Probably, probably uh, Jorge Villafania because Fabian Johnson can play higher up. But so I would say, like, if if the what you're upset about most is the, you know, the uh, the defense, I would say, you know, at least you can be a little bit optimistic because I don't think that's going to be the team uh, playing, you know, in the World Cup or in future World Cup qualifiers. Um, I guess I keep on saying like the World Cup as if we've already qualified, but that's not necessarily true. But um, most likely we will. Um, yeah, I think that Lehigh still didn't have that strong of a game defensively. and uh, But moving forward to the midfield, um, I thought that Darlington Nagby did provide a creative presence. Like he, he just sometimes makes like surging runs that really no one on the team, maybe barring Pulisic, can make. Like in the 48th minute, um, he, just, he was surging from the midfield to the final third and it just got poked away by a Salvadorian defender. Um, but I, I thought I thought he he provided the creative spark. Maybe he 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 could have tried to do more take ons in my opinion, but he was definitely solid. Um, other than that, uh, Michael Bradley I thought you know on set pieces he he provided some good chances that could have been goals. Um, there was that one really good free kick that Omar Gonzalez headed over the bar uh, later in the second half. Um, uh, it was just it was just like a curving chipped free kick and it was really nice delivery. But um, I thought, you know, he, he helped us gain possession. He kind of helped win the midfield, and um, he had an assist. So I think I think he did his job fine. Um, on the wings, uh, Jossi Zardes and Paul Ariola. Uh, Jossi really impressed me in this game. His touch was on. His take-ons were, were good. His, cross, his delivery was, like, all right. I mean, it wasn't the best in the world, but he was never known for that. So I think that, I mean, on that left side... He was just very threatening. Now, granted, I don't think I should. I'm going to get as excited as my brother, for example, is. I I think that in in games with tougher competition, I don't think that Zardes could do everything that he was doing. But I mean, if we can get a player that's going to easily make us not sweat during qualifiers and easier games, then I'm all for that. So um, Paul Ariola, I thought also, you know, he offered some energy going forward. Um, he was, you know, he didn't always. Uh, have that play that final ball well or take that final shot well. I think definitely in general that's just a theme with Paul Ariola. I think that he needs to get a little bit better at his final product. Um, but I mean, and then up top, uh, you know, we saw Clint Dempsey and Josie Altador. I thought that Clint Dempsey, like, he had a really good turn that 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 led to Lehigh's goal and a really good pass. And I'm glad that you know he didn't play selfishly because sometimes we've seen that because he's trying right now. He's one goal behind 57 goals, which would be the which would tie for the record for most goals uh, for the U.S. men's national team with Landon Donovan. 
So I know that he's been trying to go for that goal, but I'm glad that he laid that one off. But besides that, I thought that Clint Dempsey actually wasn't that impressive. I just found Josie Altidore more doing a little bit more hold-up play, getting a little bit more in possession, using his uh, his physical nature a little bit more. And um, I think that out of the two strikers, uh, neither of which I thought were spectacular, I thought Altidore was a little better. And Altidore did well to deal with what I'm going to be talking about. So... <laughs> um, in the 57th minute, I think this was on a corner or set piece or something. Romero, the Salvadorian, the El Salvadorian defender, or El Salvador defender, pinches Altidore's nipple. Um, yeah, yeah, nipple. It was so funny to hear like Stuart Holden, like, like he wasn't sure if he could say it, and he was just like, there he punches his nipple, like he made like a little pause there. I've never seen that before. Um, I don't think anyone really has. And then like a minute later, Altidore's down again. And, um, it's, this time it's because Romero bites him. Altidore's just trying to cover himself up, protect himself, and Romero bites him. And that passage of play actually led to an El Salvador con- uh, counterattack. So they, they gotta be, they gotta be a little bit better about, um, about watching for this stuff. Because I think that Altidore did complain to the referee after the first nipple-pinching incident. So, CONCACAF, or, I mean, this referee has to, you know, watch out for that on a, on on later set pieces. So, I mean, I... And in general, I've been seeing this a lot in some of these games. CONCACAF refs need to give out cards a little quicker because the game gets out of control. Like, in this game, it was just out of control, I think. Like, El Salvador made way too many challenges that weren't booked, and it ended up making the game a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more stoppages because they were, they were, he was calling fouls but not giving out cards. And it was, it was not, it was, it was dangerous. I mean, a lot of U.S. players could have gotten hurt. I mean, there, there were just so many tackles that were just dirty. And I, it's, it's kind of disheartening to see that, but, um, you know, that's just the nature of CONCACAF. So, um, I thought the U.S. was sometimes careless in in possession in the midfield. Like, um, like Darlington Nagby, I thought, like, when he wasn't necessarily going for those surging runs or going at defenders, he had the tendency to make uh, some bad passes. Especially, also the substitute, Kalanikosa, I didn't think did that good of a job of keeping possession. Um, uh, in terms of substitutes, also, Chris Pontius, nothing. I've never really seen much from him in a U.S. uniform. But, um, whatever, uh, and then, and then, uh, I mean, I think that Chris Pontius does have some upside to him, I just don't necessarily think that he should be considered, uh, in the, uh, with this part of the pool. Um, and then that other substitute was Jordan Morris, who, you know, he, he was, uh, he was playing left wing, I think, and he was, he was getting, he was getting up and down the field a lot, and using his pace, but, uh, he didn't have that much substance to, uh, uh, I think it's good to see him have a minor impact and uh, at least try to retain some of the form that he's built up in this Gold Cup. But I think one of my biggest takeaways in this game, like I said before, has to be Jossie Zardes. Um, if you saw him do the type of take-ons that he tried in this game like a year ago, it might not be the same the same outcome. A year ago, his first touch used to just go way in front of him, but it looked like he was settling some long balls nicely from Bradley and company. And um, he was... He was doing the right things. He was he was making the right crosses. I I don't think he's been bad or I mean I think he's been good. I, I mean I don't just think he's been not bad. I think he's been good for most of this Gold Cup. So, um, 
I, I think, uh, and he also could have uh, could have drawn that penalty uh, in the 29th minute. So uh, I, I I think he made a he made a pretty big impact on the game. Um, you know, in terms of possession, I do think that it is a little bit scary to see the U.S. You know, you know, only get as much position possession as they did. I mean, there's going to be competition that's going to be way better than El Salvador, even in this cup. You know, let alone in uh, future competition. So, um, I think that going forward, we know that our midfield pairing in a two-man midfield is going to be Michael Bradley and Callum Acosta. I've discussed in previous episode, wh- episodes why that works so well. But I don't think in a two-man midfield you can play Darlington, Nagby, and Michael Bradley. Like, I think from an individual standpoint, you can say that both of these players had their moments. But I feel like Nagby's moments were, like, the best when he was making those surging runs and getting in the final third with his with his dribbling. And I don't I don't think that necessarily that is that is the best, you know, fit when you're playing two holding midfielders right now. So I think if you saw Kellen Costa and Michael Bradley, they'd be a little bit more responsible. And, you know, you'd still, you know, you, you can still play, you know, Darlington Nagby either out wide or underneath the striker or something like that. I don't think, I don't think that Nagby's true position can be a center midfielder or a holding center midfielder. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, if we're running a two-man midfield in the future, it's going to be Bradley and Acosta. So, in terms of possession, I think that those those players are fit and um, they can they can hold well, and I wouldn't be too worried if, uh, about that aspect. And remember, you know, like really, this team is here to experiment. It's here to try out different lineups and figure out what we can take from the deeper end of the pool and bring, uh, you know, forward into World Cup qualifying in the World Cup. Obviously, we want to all win the Gold Cup, but you know, if we really wanted to win it that badly, then we would see Pulisic right now. But, you know, some things are more important. And um, I think Bruce Arena uh, is, for the most part, making the right decisions and prioritizing what he needs to prioritize. So, um, you know, yeah, basically, lesson, just don't don't expect this team to uh, completely dominate like the U.S. first team. But I do think that we do have the talent there to play a little bit better than we are. I haven't been, you know, super impressed. Obviously, our standout win was against Nicaragua. Uh, I actually went to that game, and uh, uh, actually, yeah, if you heard the beginning, uh, you know that I went to that game and hung out with the American Outlaws. That was really fun. But uh, in terms of the game, I mean, it was a 3-0 win, but there were some chances that Nicaragua had, and uh, I think that we've had three O's that were better than that game. Um, but again, I don't want to get too pessimistic because we know about, you know, the pool and, and everything else. So another big takeaway from this game though, is, uh, the referee. Now I always, I know we always talk about CONCACAF refereeing, but as I said before, the ref let this game get way too out of hand and Romero should definitely have a big, big punishment for what he did. I mean, biting, in any, well, in any context, really, forget about soccer, is just terrible, and um, I didn't like it when Suarez did it, I didn't like it when Romero did it, terrible, uh, and then the nipple pinching, creative, but, and I, I think Tim Howard was it, who said uh, nipple pinching should be allowed, but the biting, disgraceful, yeah, no, he was just joking, um, both of those are stupid, and, uh, but that was funny, I'm not gonna lie, but Josie Altidore, I thought, was so cool 
uh, for keeping his cool and not like freaking out and just like just playing the game. Like he 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 like I, I mean I might have said that he wasn't spectacular in this game, but I mean come on, he got his nipple pinched. I mean if, if you play decently after nipple pinch, then uh, I'm gonna call your game spectacular. <laughs> but um. And I thought it was really funny what he said. Uh, he was saying that his wife uh, said that she should be the only one that's allowed to uh, do the things that Romero did to Altador, to, 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 to Josie. So uh, that was really funny. That was a funny quote. Um, but, yeah, I think I think this game, like, is going to be remembered by that, honestly. Like, the, the stuff that Romero did. Um, I think that there are positives and negatives to take from it, but... I think Bruce Arena is slowly starting to learn a little bit more and more from each game. So, um, I'd, uh, really, the most exciting performances, in my opinion, are, I thought Omar Gonzalez, even though sometimes he defended poorly, like in the 63rd minute, um, he, I, he, he let up a chance, uh, and El Salvador had a lot of chances in general, so I think the, def- the defense should all take a little bit of blame. But I thought Omar Gonzalez kind of made up for some of Matt Hedges' errors, um, so I thought Omar Gonzalez, you know, up to stock. I thought Dar- Darlington Nagby, again, up to stock. But maybe, you know, maybe I still want to see him in a different position. And uh, Jossie's artist, if, uh, of course, if I didn't know to say that. And, um, yeah, uh, I think that, like, Paul Ariola didn't show enough. None of the substitutes showed enough. Uh, and the strikers are the strikers uh, that started jo- Josie and Dempsey. They don't really need to prove anything at this point. They just need to show consistency and uh, try to try to get some experience playing with the rest of these players ahead of our bigger games. But um, yeah, I think uh, that's all I need to really talk about for this game. I think that uh, looking ahead to Costa Rica, I think we should start a Costa and Bradley. I think it's important if we're playing two man midfield. I think we should start a Costa and Bradley because uh, Costa Rica has some skilled players. Even even if you go deeper into their pool and. Uh, I think that it's, it won't be a piece of cake to win the midfield, so we're going to need all the uh, the best midfield we can get. And I would say that we need a three-man midfield, or it would be better to dominate the midfield with, with three men out there. But um, I don't think that any of the strikers that we have operate better in you know a one-striker a one formation, uh, particularly Dempsey and Altidore. Uh, we, we've seen you know Jurgen Klinsmann try... Uh, try those players in one striker formations before for the U.S. and it just doesn't end up working out. They end up getting caught in an island. There's not much help. Uh, they don't get to come. You know, like it, Josie will come back to the ball too much, and then we have no one going forward by the time he plays a, a through ball to one of our wingers. So I think that there's too many problems with that. So I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see. Uh, you know, I mean, a four-four-two again, but this time with Kellen Acosta and uh, Michael Bradley, and then maybe Nagby on the wing. Um, I, I know that a lot of people are going to want to see Nagby in the number 10 role, but I think that Bruce Reno is going to stick with this formation. But um, I, I would rather see him uh, as a winger than just a, a pure holding midfielder. So uh, that's that. Um, I, I'm, excited to see, uh, I'm excited to see what we can do against Costa Rica and uh, see if we can head to the Gold Cup final and hopefully play and beat Mexico in the Gold Cup Final. Uh, I love beating Mexico. I really want to beat Mexico. I cannot reiterate how much I like playing against Mexico and having a higher score than them and beating them. So uh, I really want that to happen, but, you know, whatever. As long as we win the Gold Cup and show have a good showing, uh, then I'm cool. 
Uh, before we get into the giveaway that I was talk- that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, um, I'm going to talk about some transfer rumors that I've heard about. So uh, Neymar, apparently PSG wants to meet that 222 million euro buyout clause uh, and purchase Neymar from Barcelona. Um, and personally, I think that this move could be really big for PSG if they get it. I mean, obviously it's a big fee. I understand that. But this is a player who's not only going to give you an immediate impact, but obviously he's going to perhaps develop a little more and give you uh, an impact for the long term. So I think that uh, for Neymar, though, um, because I haven't, I mean, I've heard rumors, but I haven't heard Neymar's side of this. So, I mean, this is what I think, how I think he should look at it. I mean, you're with one of the best front lines, uh, you know, soccer has ever seen. I think that there's really something special about the Messi, Neymar, Suarez trio, and I would stay there if it, if it's purely about you know soccer. Um, I think that on that team he has a better chance to win a little bit more trophies. I do think that Barcelona maybe need one more piece, uh, but they have the they have what it takes to um, start winning more Champions Leagues and start robbing more from Real Madrid, in my opinion. So that's how I feel about that one. Um, Ross Barkley to Spurs is a big one I've heard about. Uh, Ross Barkley never was the the same player that I thought he was in like 2013 or 2014 when he was, uh, you know, younger. Uh, you know, he's had some injury issues. He's injured right now, actually. Um, I think that Tottenham doesn't necessarily have a starting place for Ross Barkley, and I think that the the bid of 50 million, I'm not sure if it was euros or pounds, is just too high. So I would not recommend that for Tottenham. But if Everton can ease uh, ease some of that. Uh, debt that they may have gained from some of those purchases that they made, um, that'd be pretty cool by by offloading uh, Ross Barkley because I think they've ha- they have the midfield replacements in uh, Rooney and Claussen that they need. So that's how I feel about those transfers. And now finally, I can get on to the giveaway. So basically, the giveaway consists of five prizes. If you came to the American Outlaws bar that we were at, the Old Angle Tavern, or if you checked us out on social media, you had a chance to win these five prizes. One of them is tickets to a Crew SC match, one of them is a USA vs. Mexico scarf, there's Soccer Brothers scarf, Soccer Brothers t-shirt, and an invitation to a Soccer Brothers episode. So the winner of the tickets to the Crew SC match is Mirko Kurkic. Uh, I'm, I apologize if I said that name wrong, but you can contact us and we will contact you to make sure you can get those tickets. Um, Eric Matson won a USA versus Me- Mexico scarf. Uh, so, uh, you know, contact us and we will get that delivery information to you as well. Uh, the winner of a Soccer Brothers scarf is Navdeep Bass. Uh, Bass, I think that's how you pronounce it. And a winner of a Soccer Brothers t-shirt will be uh, Jonah Knight. So, uh, Thank you. Oh, one more. Actually, sorry. Invitation onto a Soccer Brothers episode. Blake Blake Barkley. Um, you get a chance to get onto the Soccer Brothers episode if you want to. That that was like a more of like a you know an optional thing. We know that everyone's not going to want to be on the podcast or you know has time to be on the podcast. But um, thank you so much for everyone who entered the competition. Um, uh, we re- are really excited to get these prizes out. So. Um, yeah, I mean, also that was just a really cool experience to be at that game. Uh, leading up to uh, be at that uh, bar leading up to Nicaragua. Everyone was hyped about the U.S. men's national team, and uh, it really made me uh, get more excited for the game and uh, become more proud of where we've come as U.S. soccer because, I mean, maybe, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't have gotten that many people around a cause 
uh, I mean, around soccer, uh, like in the U.S., like you can now. So uh, that was really cool to see. Um, But yeah, I think that will be the whole episode. I will see you guys after the Costa Rica game. But first, let me plug uh, a couple things. We have an email at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Those are at soccerbrospod. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Podkicker, a bunch of different podcasting uh, platforms. So you can check us out there. And review and rate us on those places if you can, please. You can send us questions at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. But uh, thank you so much for your support. And I hope to get a little more consistent. My friends have been in town. I've been out of town. I've been a little busy. I will be more consistent, promise, this time. And uh, I will see you guys later on episode number 74. 75, excuse me. I'll see you guys later on episode number 75 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Thank you.